Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the privilege to gather on the first day of the year and seek you first and be in your presence and assemble with your people today. You told us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So we assemble together today. And Lord, we include and pray for those that are assembling with us on YouTube, on our live stream. And we pray, Father, for each of us today, Father, that our hearts would be open and receptive and that we would hear your word and that we would receive your word and that we would accept and act on your word in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that that word will bring forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, we praise you. We thank you for it. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. 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 Go with me to Luke 18 and verse 1 this morning. This is a passage that I have been sharing with our prayer school group um, in the last few weeks. So the last few uh, times we met for prayer school, this seemed to uh, be stirring in my heart, and, and I want to open up today with it and open up the year with it. Luke 18, verse 1, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was, a certain, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while... But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Well, here we are in 2023. Can you believe it? 20, I remember as a teenager and then as a, as a young man growing up, thinking about looking forward to the year 2000. You know, in the late, yeah, I was born in 1961, and so, uh, you know, growing up, teenager in the 70s, and then... In the early 80s, then as a young man, I thought, wow, the year 2000, that's a long ways out. I'll be 39 years old, then I'll be an old man. (laughs) That seemed like a long way out, and it seemed like, you know, wow, the year 2000. And then then I got filled with the Holy Spirit right at the end of my senior year in high school. I started hearing about the rapture. I never really heard much about that growing up, but I started hearing about the rapture and the coming of the Lord and And I thought, well, surely Jesus will come back by then. You know, we had the book, which I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't fall for. If you did, no condemnation. But 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. I was working at a printing company at at that time. That's the year we started the church, too, by the way. But I was also working uh, at a printing company. And and one of my coworkers, it really shook him. Actually, he got saved. And he's actually, I heard from him um, a while back, he's attending Rhema now. And Rainbow Bible Training Center. But as a result of that book, he got saved. Even though Jesus didn't come in 1988, God still used it. Amen. And, uh, that, and that man, uh, that young man came to the, a young man at the time, came to the Lord. Um, but Jesus didn't come in 1988. And then we thought, well, he's going to come by the year 2000. Anybody hear that? You know, Jesus is coming, you know, by the year 2000. And we thought, yeah, he would come. So here we are, 23 years past that. Yeah, and um, 
And, and so uh, I'm 61 now. I'll be turning 62 later this, in, in June of this year. And Jesus still hasn't come back. But look at what he says here in verse 8. Put that back up on the screen again, Kim. He says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Are we able to get it bigger back here? It's small. Can we get that big back up there? If we can, fine. If not, I'll do with that. I can make do. But but look at what he says here. When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So he doesn't say if. There we go. They got it. Thank you. He doesn't say if the Son of Man comes. He says when. Jesus is coming back, and it's not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. And guess what? We're 23 years closer to it now than we were in the year 2000. We're a year closer to it now than we were last year, yesterday. Amen. He's coming back. Amen. He's coming back. But the thing for us to focus on is not look at our watch and look at our calendar or whatever and say, when's he coming back? Why hasn't he come back yet? The thing that he tells us to focus on is, will he really find faith on the earth? And he gives this parable to illustrate it about this, about this woman and, and her persistence with this unjust judge. And in fact, one translation reads it this way. When the Son of Man comes, will he find persistence in faith? Amen. So what are we to focus on? Well, we're to focus on persisting in faith. Amen. Amen. And so for 2023, I want to encourage you to persist in your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. But look again at the beginning of this passage, back in verse 1 again. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to... To what? To pray and not to lose heart. So the whole point of the parable and the whole point of him saying, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth and all that, was to motivate us to pray. So the whole thing is about praying and not losing heart, not giving up, not fainting, not quitting. Amen. So the faith that Jesus is looking for when he comes is going to be expressed, partway at least, in our consistent and our persistent prayer life. Amen. Now again, <clears throat> why, did he, why did he talk in these terms, in this, in this parable that he told, encouraging us to continue to pray, to not lose heart, to not give up? Why would, why would he even have to say that if every prayer that we prayed was instantly answered? Right? Now, think about this. Now, we've got great promises of prayer, no doubt. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not the old, well, yeah, God always answers. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says maybe, or if you're in the South, wait a while. I text, my, I text my daughter the other day, and I, and I spelled it out this way, W-E-R-E, first word, second word, Y-A-W, third word, at, A-T. And she understood it perfectly. Where y'all at? Where y'all, where y'all at? Where y'all at? I was trying to ascertain her geographic location at the moment. All right. So God doesn't say yes part of the time and no part of the time and wait a while or maybe or later. No, 
John 15, 7, Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. You'll ask what you desire and it'll be done for you. If we abide in him and his words abide in us, that's the qualifying part. But he says, we'll ask what we desire and it shall be done. So at the same time, running, running parallel, we've got these wonderful promises. Jesus says in, also in John, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it you. Ask anything in my name and it'll be done for you. We've got, we've got that running. We've got First John. This is the confidence we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If we know he hears us, we know we have it. We've got that. And at the same time, Jesus exhorting us to not give up, to not faint, to not quit, but to persist. Now, again, God's not withholding, but we've got interference in the atmosphere. We've got the devil trying to hinder, trying to discourage us. Thoughts coming from Satan, from his demons saying it's not going to work this time. God's not going to hear your prayer. You're not worthy. All this stuff coming. And so what do we do? We hold on to the promise and at the same time we persist. Amen. Those are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. They work together. Amen. So today, though, I want to talk about um, a covenant of prayer. That's the, that's the phrase the Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago, and I put it in the bulletin last Sunday. That, or, or the, I mentioned something about it anyway. Yeah, it was in the bulletin, wasn't it, the last two Sundays. So, uh, but, but that's the phrase the Lord spoke to me, a covenant of prayer uh, that, that, that hopefully we're going to enter into today. A covenant, here's some, some definitions of covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two people or companies or even countries. It is formal solemn, sometimes even sacred. Another definition of covenant, it's an agreement between God and His people in which God makes certain promises and requires certain behavior from them in return. Another definition, a signed, written agreement between two or more parties to perform some action. And that's the one that's going to be the most applicable to us today. So yes, number one, we have a covenant with God. Through Jesus. That's, that's our foundation. That's the main thing. Amen. The new covenant. And this covenant that we have with God through Jesus gives us salvation and all the blessings of redemption. That's what our covenant with God gives us. But there were times, especially we see in the Old Testament and also in church history, the pilgrims particularly did this, where leaders directed their people into a covenant with one another for specific things. Here's, a, here's a, a couple of examples. King Asa led the kingdom of Judah that he was king over into a covenant to seek the Lord. Look at what the scripture says here in Second Chronicles 15 and verse 12. Then they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. So the king got them together and said, we're going to make a covenant with one another that we're going to seek God with all our heart and with all our soul. Amen. And then verse 16 of Second Chronicles 23, this is when Jehoiada, we talked last year, we did a message talking about uh, Jehoiada, the priest, and, and how, you know, the, the king, uh, uh, what was the king's name? The young boy that became king. It's not coming up. Joseph, well, jo, it was, was Joseph. 
Um, it wasn't Josiah and this one. There was two young, two young, young men that became king. Anyway, I, 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 can't, I don't think it was Josiah. But anyway, Jehoiada was the priest and the, and, the, and the young boy was the king and his grandmother tried to kill all the... Remember, she tried to kill all of her grandkids, all of her grandsons, so she would be priest. But they saved this one out and raised him up. And at age seven, I think, he became king. And, um, and so... Jehoiada was the priest, the righteous priest in that day who was orchestrating all this. Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king that they should be the Lord's people. So they made a covenant with each other. They made a covenant together. Jehoiada the priest, he made a covenant between himself and the people and the king that they should be the Lord's people. So today... At the beginning of this year, I'm proposing to you that we make a covenant with one another, a covenant of prayer. Amen. Now, you know, don't get nervous. I'm not going to have you slash, you know, <laughs> slash your wrist. And, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do that and uh, make a blood covenant, but a covenant of prayer, okay? Amen. So I'm committing, number one, to start this, I'm committing to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Samuel said this to the people of, of Israel. In his day, in 1 Samuel 12 and verse 23, Samuel says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Samuel made a covenant of prayer with the people of Israel in his day. He, made, he makes a statement here that's a covenant statement. He says, as for me. As for me. I love it when I find in the Bible when God says, as for me. One of, the, one of my favorite ones that I hold on to is Isaiah 59, verse 21, where the Lord said, as for me, this is my covenant with them. My spirit which is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth nor from the mouth of your descendants nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants from this time and forever. God said, this is what I'm going to do if you'll believe me. This is what I'm going to do if you'll claim this. Amen? And I do. Amen. So as God starts that out and he says, as for me. So Samuel here says, as for me. He's making a covenant commitment. He said, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. So in other words, he's saying, I will not cease to pray for you. I will continue to pray for you. I will keep praying for you. And then he says, and I will teach you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. And so part of my praying for you involves praying and getting the heart of God on what I should teach you, on the messages that I should bring to you. Amen. Now, a disclaimer here, I am not committing to do your praying for you. Oh, well, pastor's praying for me, so I won't worry about praying this year. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, let's see what's on TV. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do, uh, do your praying for you. I'm going to pray for you, but not do your praying for you. Amen. Now, we know, and we know that Paul, the apostle Paul prayed. Uh, we have his prayers written down in the epistles. We're going to look at some of them. Let's look at this. Ephesians 1. Let's look at this. Uh, he had two, two wonderful prayers in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1.15, Paul says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease. There is the same thing Samuel said. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed for them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. In other words, he says, I'm praying for you that you would have a revelation of who you are in Christ. And that's the way that I'm committing to pray for you in 2023. That you will have a, a fuller, clearer revelation of who you are, your place in Christ, your authority in Christ, the exceeding greatness of God's power that's toward us who believe. Hallelujah. Amen. In Ephesians 3, verse 14, he prays, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Could anybody use some of that in 2023? To be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner man and your inner being that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Whew, what a prayer. I'm going to pray that for you. I'm going to pray that for you in 2023. Not just one time. Hallelujah. But over and over and consistently. Philippians 1, 9, he's, he's writing to the Philippian church, and this I pray that your love may abound. Yeah. Still more, I know all of you can use that. Mm. Oh, yes. Amen. Oh, yes. Huh? <laughs> Has anybody been perfected in love yet? No, we're all working on it. So. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He wrote to the, to the Colossian church in Colossians 1, verse 9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. Anybody like to know God's will better? More clearly. That you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Anybody want to be fruitful spiritually in 2023? Amen. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Praise God. So I'm going to be praying those prayers for you. In 2023, not only was Paul praying for the churches and for the believers, but he mentions a, a man by name, a man named Epaphras. In Colossians 4 and 12, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, he was a, one of the people of, of, he was a Colossian as well from Colossae, but he was working with, traveling with Paul. And Paul, I believe, was in prison at this time when he wrote this. But he mentions Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring fervently 
for you in prayers. I mean, he was getting after it. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Why? That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. I'm going to be praying that over you and for you in 2023. That you would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus prayed for Peter. Before, right before Jesus went to the cross, he looked at Peter and he was telling Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. But I want you to know something. He said, Satan has, has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. He said, but Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And I'm going to be praying for you in 2023 that your faith fail not. Amen. You know, by the way, Jesus is praying for all of us. Amen. In Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore he is able to save, this is not in our, not in our notes today or on the screen, but Hebrews 7, 25, that therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, for he ever lives to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. Jesus is praying for all of us. There we go. Kim got it up there. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So, Not only was Paul dedicated and committed to praying for the believers in the churches he had established, but he was constantly asking and imploring those believers in those churches to pray for him. He valued their prayers. He needed their prayers. And he genuinely believed that their prayers made a difference. And so now I want to ask you to pray for me in 2023. Because I value your prayers, and I need your prayers, and I genuinely believe that your prayers make a difference. Your prayers on my behalf will make a difference in my life. Amen? So I'm asking you to pray for me in 2023. 2 Corinthians 1.11 in the New Living Translation, Paul says, And you are helping us by praying for us. You're helping me. By praying for me. Many of you are involved in in helping in the church in some capacity. And that's so valuable and so appreciated. But the number one thing you can do to help me is to pray for me. You are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Amen. They were praying for Paul for deliverance uh, from from the attacks and the persecution that he was facing so that the message could spread to more and more people. Amen? And that's what we want to see happen, right? Amen. So so you're helping me by praying for me so we can get this good word of God out to more and more people. Amen? Praise God. Philippians 1.19, he says, For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer. He tells the Philippians, he said, This is going to turn out for my deliverance Because you're praying for me through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See, their prayers brought a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ to Paul. And I covet that supply of the Spirit that your prayers will bring to me. So I'm asking you to pray for me in 2023. Amen. And Psalm 78, verse 72, this is not specifically a prayer but it's a prayer I've prayed over my life for many years, and I want to I ask you to pray this for me. I want to, and see, it's, 
See, the best way, we, we, this kind of goes without saying, but the best way we can pray for each other is to pray according to the Word of God. Amen. I learned a long time ago that the best prayer that I could pray was, was to pray the Word. Amen? And so let's pray the Word. You're praying the will of God when you pray the Word of God. So pray this. In fact, it's got my name in it. It should be real easy. It's great when you find your name in, a, in the front of a scripture. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. Pray that over me. Pray that I would shepherd this, this congregation. Pray that I would shepherd you all with integrity of heart and that I would lead you with skillful hands, that I would have the wisdom of God. Amen. That I'd be led by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. Colossians 4, let's go back over to the, to the epistles. Colossians 4, 2, Paul says, Continue earnestly in prayer. Talking to, that, to that, those believers. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So pray that I would... Make the Word of God manifest as I ought to. Pray that God would open a door for the Word. Amen? Doors of utterance and opportunity. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, he says, Rejoice always. The next verse says, Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what the will of God is? He spells it out right here. Amen. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Right in the middle of it is pray without ceasing. Right in the middle of those instructions, pray without ceasing. And then just a few verses later, Paul says this in verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Very simply, pray for us. Amen. Amen. As you're praying without ceasing, pray for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Second Thessalonians 3. Just a couple more here. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And, verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. I want to ask you to pray that over me. Pray that the word of the Lord would run swiftly and be glorified. Pray that I would be delivered from unreasonable, I don't, I don't recognize any in here, <laughs> certainly. Uh, you're all good folks and you love God. But there's unreasonable and wicked men out there. Amen. We don't know what we're going to encounter in 2023. But pray that I be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. Ephesians six eighteen. praying always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. Everybody say, in the Spirit. Uh, got there too quick for you, didn't it? With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. Paul's asking them to pray for him. And for me, that utterance may be given to me. It's one thing to prepare a message. It's one thing to study. It's one thing to make notes. But it's a whole other thing to have utterance. And boy, I sense it today. Somebody must have already been praying. To have utterance, to be able to, to get that out. And to be able to, 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 to 
preach it and proclaim it and teach it the way, the way God puts it in your heart. So pray that I would have utterance. Hallelujah. That utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So he's asking them to pray for him. But then he adds this in, in the previous verse, in verse 18, he says, with all perseverance and supplication for who? All the saints. All the saints. So thirdly, this morning, I purpose and I propose today that we commit to pray for each other. Amen. Amen. Praying always. Look at what he says here. Praying at when? Always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. All the saints. So let's pray for each other. Let's pray for one another. That's the main reason we, we publish a church directory, so we can pray for each other. Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, when we're, when we're sincerely praying for one another, it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to gossip or to criticize or to talk bad about each other. When you're praying for somebody, you can't talk bad about it. Amen. So let's pray. And I, you know, I think this is, this is the, most, the sweetest, most harmony that I know that we've ever had in our church, what we've experienced over these last few years. But let's keep, that, keep it that way. Amen. And one way we maintain that is by praying for each other. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at what James says in, in James 5, verse 13. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. The word suffering there could also be translated going through a test or a trial. So, so what does he say? He says, let him pray. So number one, do your own praying first, right? Okay. And then he says, uh, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. See, if, if you were cheerful, you wouldn't call me and say, Pastor, would you sing for me? <laughs> After one time, you probably might not want to do that. So, <laughs> no, if you're cheerful, then you sing. If you're suffering, then you pray. All right. But then, verse 14 is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. And, uh, and so number one, do your own praying first. And then number two, if you need help, call on others to pray. Uh, one, Brother Hagin pointed out, and I don't remember the um, reference that he made here, they used, but... But, but where it says, is anyone among you sick? He said, literally means past the point of helping yourself. So pray for yourself. But sometimes we just need help. We need help praying. We need somebody to pray with us. Amen. So it's right to do that. It's right to do that. Amen. Call, call, ask, call on others to pray for you. Amen. And, uh, and, and good things will happen. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. If they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and what? Pray for each other. Pray for one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So he exhorts us right here, pray for one another. Pray for one another. Let's do that. Let's commit to do that. Let's covenant together to do that. In 2023, to pray for each other. Amen. 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 Why? Because our prayers, if we'll pray, 
the effective, well, effective means praying according to the, to, the, to the rules that govern that kind of praying and according to the Word of God. If we pray according to the Word, that's an effective prayer. And then he says fervent, not half-hearted. Uh, oh, oh, oh. No, but fervently. Give your whole heart to it. Give your whole focus to it. You know, well, let me turn the sound down on the TV while I pray. For, no, turn the thing off and pray. Amen. Give your entire focus to it. That's what he's saying. Amen. And pray for one another that you may be healed. And the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Bible says makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. When we pray for each other. Amen. Here's a, uh, here's a good scripture that we can pray. And, and Mike, you can go ahead and start our, our music, this, if you'll do that. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let's pray for each other that way. Pray for your brothers and sisters and pray for me that I would prosper, that they would prosper that we would each prosper and be in health. That's God's will. John's praying it for his friend. We can pray it for one another. Pray that we would prosper and be in health just as our souls prosper. Amen. Let's pray this way for one another. Amen. And then finally, I, I, I want us to commit to pray for our nation, to pray for our leaders, to pray for those in authority. Amen. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1. He says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, especially now, verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority. And there's a, there's a blessing and a benefit for us, if we will, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So us praying for our nation and praying for our leaders, the, the bottom line in result of that would be for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a book that we use in, in prayer school uh, by Derek Prince called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. And he does, he's a marvelous uh, expository teacher and does a marvelous job of laying out the case of why good government is the will of God. God desires good government. I'll, 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 I'll boil it down to you for, with, with this. Uh, God desires good government because good government facilitates the preaching of the gospel. He's looking at the record of history where there's good government, there's freedom to preach the gospel, where there's bad government, communist government, dictatorships. One of the first things that's done is, is the, the control that's exerted hinders, limits, and sometimes totally outlaws the preaching of the gospel. And he, so he says good government is the will of God. So pray that we have good government. And, 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 good, and, the, and having good government falls upon the shoulders of the church. The government will be on his shoulders. Falls upon us to do so, to pray. When we pray for those in authority, then we can have good government. Say, well, pastor, it sure doesn't look like it. Well, 
not enough of the church is praying. I can't control what somebody else is doing, but I can tell you what we're supposed to do. And one day you'll stand before the Lord and you'll give an account and he'll ask you about this scripture in 1 Timothy. Did you follow my directive? And you can say, yes, Lord, I did. Amen. I prayed for those in authority. Amen. I want to read you uh, again. This is something that I've shared many times with our prayer school group to stir us to pray. This is a prophecy from likely sometime in the uh, late 70s or early 80s from a, from a lady named uh, Jean Wilkerson who was a prophetess. Uh, Brother Hagen would have her call her to the platform. I, I saw her in person, minister in person at Raymond when I was there. And um, she went to be with the Lord, I, I guess, in the late 80s, perhaps. Uh, I don't know exactly, but, but quite some time ago. But here's a prophecy that she had about our nation, about America. And I want to share it with you to, to stir you to pray. Uh, here's the prophecy. Listen, America is in a terrific storm. My goodness, if it was in a terrific storm 30, 40 years ago, how much more today? Listen, America is in a terrific storm. The hounds of hell are gnawing at the very life throat of this nation. Are they not today? Oh, people of God, awaken. Call on your God as never before. For the hour is late. There are many things yet that the church is to accomplish. She is yet to show forth the supernatural light of another world. And that goes all over me every time I read it. I believe that's true, there's, that, 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 that the greatest days of the church are ahead of us because there's things that the church is yet to accomplish and the church, before Jesus comes, will show forth the supernatural light of another world. The power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, and great manifestation. And then she goes on to prophesy, this nation was born to be a light, to all the other nations of the earth. We know it was. Don't let this, this is a prophecy to the church. To the church, she's exhorting and saying, don't let this light go out before it's our. Beloved, I believe we have the power to do that, to prevent the light that this nation is to be to the nations of the earth. We've got, we can, we can prevent it from going out before it's our. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You hold in your hands the keys to the destiny of this nation. I've been saying for over a year now, maybe a couple of years, the destiny of America lies in the hands of the praying church. I started saying that before I ever came across this prophecy. She said the same thing 40 years ago. You hold in your hand the keys to the destiny of this nation. Learn that if you do not use them, as Esther of old was told, do not think that you will not suffer loss as well as your people. And so this is the cry of the Spirit of this hour. We're the last great bastion of freedom, the United States of America. Don't take it for granted that the beacon light of the Statue of Liberty will always, always be held high. You have the power in intercession to stop the judgments of God Amen. and to push back the forces of darkness and to restrain the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. We can do that. So let's commit to pray for our nation. Hallelujah. Let's commit to... I want to ask you to commit to pray for me. I'm committing. 
I'm going to pray for you. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you in 2023. And let's commit to pray for each other. Amen. Amen. Uh, some of the guys have, uh, and I need one up here. I don't have one. Uh, so one of you bring one. So Paul's uh, distributing a mic and Jeff. Y'all can go ahead and begin to distribute those. Uh, everybody needs one of these. This is a, uh, now, now again, one of the definitions that I read to you was a, of a covenant was a signed, a written agreement. <laughs> All right. And so we're going we're gonna to apply that one. Uh, let me read it again. A signed, written agreement between two or more parties to perform some action. So this is a signed, written agreement of prayer. A covenant of prayer. I've already signed it. And I've given you a space on there to sign it as well. I've included some of the scriptures that we've talked about this morning. I didn't have space on one page. I wanted to limit everything to one page. So I didn't have space to include all the scriptures, but I've included some of them. And I'll just read it. As for me, I covenant to pray for you, the people of City on a Hill Church. As Samuel told Israel, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. And as Paul told the church at Ephesus, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And then I list the scriptures there. I'm going to be praying those and all the others that we shared this morning and even others. I covenant to pray for you according to these and other scriptural prayers and also in the Spirit. And I've signed it there. And then your part is below my signature. Upon hearing this message and endeavoring to be a doer of the Word of God and to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, I commit to pray for my pastor, David Harris, according to the following scriptures and also in the Spirit. And I list a few of the scriptures there. Uh, that we mentioned in the message today. And there's a place for you to sign your name. I don't, I'm not going to ask for these back. But uh, if you can commit to do this, and I want you to sign it and keep it in your Bible. Yes. Amen. Amen. And then at the end, and together, we covenant to pray for one another, according to James 5, 16 and 3 John 2, and for our nation, according to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Praise God. So now, we're going to receive communion and seal this. Praise the Lord. So get your elements of communion ready. And Kim, let's put, this, put that scripture back up. 2 Chronicles 23, 16. Mike, if you can find that. 2 Chronicles 23, 16. It was toward the beginning. There we go. It says, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between himself, the people, and the king that they should be the Lord's people. Praise God. So let me lead you in a declaration right now and get your elements ready to to partake. And, and say this after me, if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father 
we stand before you today. We come in your presence today. And according to the Word of God that we have had talked to us today, we commit and we covenant to pray for our pastor and to pray for one another and to pray for our nation in the name of the Lord Jesus. We covenant together. This is a solemn agreement. This is something we're taking seriously. And this is something we're committing to do. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. And you've given us your spirit to be effective and powerful in our praying. We believe that our prayers avail much. We believe that our prayers make a difference for our pastor, for one another, and for our nation. And now I'm going to say this. And Father, I commit before your people, to before you today and before your people, I commit to pray for them. As Samuel said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. Father, I take this seriously and solemnly now I commit in the name of Jesus. And Father, as we partake of these elements of communion, which represent your commitment to us through Jesus and represent our commitment to you to be your people, Father, we commit to this covenant of prayer today in the name of Jesus. Let's partake of the elements.